This is Sun Creek Radio. Where your spirit comes to shine. And now, here's your host, Steve Lindbergh. All right, we're back. More Sun Creek Radio. Thanks, everybody, for uh, checking us out. We have Milton Gutierrez here with us again, Pastor Milton, and we're going to tackle a different topic. The last time we had Milton, we talked about why would someone consider being a Methodist. So if you missed that, I would suggest checking it out. There are some interesting things about open hearts, open minds, and open doors, and uh, some words that he he developed from the word grace, such as God really loves and accepts us all. So go back. That's Those are just some teasers on why you might want to go back and check out that podcast if you missed it for some reason. But Milton, thanks so much for being here. It's good to be back. Yeah, so I'm just going to dive right into our topic right away because I think it's a great and interesting topic. So I think you use verbal imagery really well in your sermons I, I'm not sure if I've ever met someone who uses verbal imagery as well as you do. So could you describe what you think verbal imagery is, and can you tell us about how you came about using that in your in your sermons or talks? Well, one, thanks very much for noticing that. Uh, I'm very intentional about using verbal imagery. Um, let me just start with this, that I believe that uh, good preaching— is much more, if you're using, if I use an analogy, verbal imagery, uh, of the, the shotgun and a rifle. Good preaching is not a shotgun where you just scatter a bunch of ideas out there and hope somebody gets one. But it's more like a rifle, that you're trying to get a keen point across on that particular day. I think most people, kind of like me, that they can't take in a lot of information about a lot of different subjects, but they can focus in on one key idea. And if you can find that key idea and run it like a, a string through the sermon, like you're stringing up uh, beads of thoughts, but you've got this string that's the verbal image or the key idea. Uh, so you're, the, you're using imagery right now. This, this is <laughs> classic. Is, I, I, laughing this and saying, is, do you it, even know you're doing it? Do you yes, realize it? Yeah, okay. I mean... It, and it's somewhat the way I think. Uh, I tend to be much more of a visual person. Um, so I, I love to think in verbal imagery, which is also caught up in great storytelling. The very best storytellers in the world use great verbal imagery. They paint pictures with words. Uh, I, one, of, one of my mentors on the radio was a man named Garrison Keeler. Have you ever heard of him? I've heard the name, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, for years, presented a radio show uh, from an imaginary place called Lake Wobegon. And people tuned in from all over the world, really, to hear Garrison Keeler tell these stories. What was his stories. show about? What was it about? It was about life in, in, the, the, in the north around uh, Wisconsin and kind of in the, the, the stoic Lutheran community of uh, Lake Wobegon which is a, a fictitious place. And he created all these characters that lived there, and he would just weave their stories, but it, their stories, by painting those pictures, 
made some key points, usually one clear point uh, that was in every story. And usually, Keeler didn't need to tell you what the key point was. He simply, in using those graphic images, you got the point and you tended to keep the point. Uh, I, I started preaching um, before I went to seminary, and I think before learning how to preach, I was so impressed with what I knew, I'd wear people out trying to tell them everything I knew at one time. And, so and you are dumping seminary on them? I was dumping seminary or what I learned in college before that. Um, and, and what happened is people would tell you you were a nice, sweet person, saying, well, thank you, preacher, that was really sweet. My goal is not for people to tell me that they thought I was a sweet person or that it was a nice, a nice sermon. Um, people often come out of church saying, you've given me something to think about. And few people will call me two or three weeks later and say, you know, in your sermon a couple of weeks ago, you said this. And to tell you the truth, I have to stop and think because I've moved on from that and they haven't. And that's great. Um, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be preaching uh, the, end of, uh, uh, the end of August. So I don't know when this show will air, but I'm, I'm going to, and you can look for it, use this graphic image that I've started with of an electrical plug, an electrical plug. And that electrical plug will, will be a thread that will go all through the sermon. And the concept is uh, based on a text of what Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. I think you can see the connection immediately that we have to plug in to the power source of Jesus if we are going to remain vital in our faith. I'm going to use that electrical plug as an image to weave through that whole sermon so that near the end of the sermon, the question I might leave us with is this, are you plugged in or what do you need to do to get plugged in? So that kind of graphic image, I think, holds people's attention. We're living in a, a world now that um, is fast-paced, um, the, the world of advertising on television they are really competing to get your attention and to hold an image in front of you that you're not going to let go of uh, and I think we in the church need to learn from the culture um, yeah a hundred years ago our culture was used to long uh, lectures and uh, we were a community that maybe read the newspaper, which, by the way, I still read the newspaper. But most of us nowadays get our news in sound bites. And I'm not saying preaching needs to be a sound bite, but we need to capture some of that idea of grabbing your attention with an image or a story long enough to make a point. And I don't expect someone to remember my whole sermon. I just want them to get captured by one idea or one thought, and that's that bullet again that I'm going to be trying to use through that whole sermon. I'm catching you cold on this question, but is there a sermon or imagery that you've used in the past that you could give us an example of that you think, wow, that was, I really got a lot of good response on that? <laughs> you got me, for the, I was in, I was focused on the future with that plug. Let me see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is a little cold. Let me, I don't preach every Sunday nowadays, so yeah, right. I'm um, catching you cold. I'm, I'm going to tr let me try to think through that and see if I can come up. Um, 
And it's usually people tell me and I'll go, oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh-huh. Uh, I could tell you one that I didn't preach on, but one of the former pastors of this church preached on her name is Holly Gotelli. And I came to visit this church um, as in my superintending days where I was just visiting from church to church. And Holly was the associate and she preached that Sunday. And I can still tell you what that sermon was about because she talked about what does it mean to be an adoptive parent or an adoptive grandparent. And I'm an adoptive grandparent. I have two adopted grandchildren from Ukraine. And once she said that, she had me for the rest of the sermon. And that sermon was about what does it mean to be baptized? And she beautifully and graphically used that image of adoption and baptism and kind of knitted those two concepts together of being chosen and selected and loved and kept by God forever. And isn't that amazing? I mean, that's 10 years ago or more. Yeah, that's I amazing. still remember it. Still remember it. Probably 15 years ago, I heard a sermon in a Methodist church, maybe more than that. I wasn't a me- member of the Methodist church, church yet, but it was, it was one of them in Plano. And the pastor, I was there as a guest, and the pastor said something about um, we all are, we all are like our own naval ship where we leave port and we're perfect when we're born, but we all come back with some sort of dent or scratch on us <laughs> when we come back. So none of us are, are, are perfect, you know, in the end, and, and we just have to accept that. So, so I, st- I still have that mental imagery of that sermon from many, many years ago. There's the power of that graphic image, and I'm sure you could paint that, that ship coming back into port, and then you can look at your life as well. Uh, so today, the, the challenge of preaching is to capture the imagination of the listener more than ever before. We're not trying to give you a lot of information. I think the purpose of preaching is to not only inform, but predominantly to inspire. Great preaching calls us to to do something with what we have just heard. And I always like to, in my preaching, ask the question, uh, so what? If at the end of the sermon I could ask, so what? And if I can't answer that question, I have to go back and look at that sermon and ask, what needs to go into that sermon to, to have a, a call to someone to do something? Uh, so, so what are you going to do about this? And again, going to my, I tend to be more future war into that sermon, I'm going to ask people how they're going to plug in. You see where that goes? I'm not just going to tell an interesting little story of saying, oh, look at that plug. It wasn't plugged in. Because uh, that's probably happened to all of us. But I'm hoping the rest of that week, at least, people, when they see an electrical plug, they'll go, oh, the pastor said something about being plugged in. And if I need to be plugged in, and he told me ways to get plugged in with God, maybe I need to do one of those things. Right, so early Milton was dumping seminary on everyone and wearing them out. When, when did you start to realize, hey, I need to, or, or maybe this imagery thing is the angle or, or the way I should start going about you know, things? It, you know, I, I, I truly had an interesting experience with uh, a book. I was reading a book and with a very inspired title. Are you ready? Yeah. It's called Preaching. Now, <laughs> All right. You, that'd be one word? Want, just one word? You, you just want to pick that up, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> and by a man I'd, I'd heard of before, and it was his name that kind of captured my attention. So I said, oh, 
Fred wrote that. I think I better read that. And his name was Fred Craddock. And many people think Fred Craddock may have been the best preacher in the United States of America uh, from about 1950 to 2000. And Fred just recently passed away, and he was up in his upper 80s. But Fred taught thousands of us. By the way, Fred was not a United Methodist. He was a Disciples of Christ pastor. But that book presented a turning point in my life. Some of what I just said is kind of a distillation of what's in that book on preaching, and which he talks about verbal images and uses that image of shotgun and bullet and talks about uh, answering the question, so what? Um, and when I read that, I went back and kind of looked at some of my sermons and went, oh, you know, everything he had used as negative examples, I thought he was going through my sermons in the books because I had a bunch of the negative examples there. And I said, I, I need to maybe stop doing that and start doing some of what, what he has been encouraging people to look at and do. And I would go hear Fred speak from time to time at a conference. I didn't know him other than to know I went to hear him. And then about, um, I guess it's about 15 or 20 years ago, there was a conference uh, at my alma mater at Emory University in which I saw he was one of the three uh, lecturers on preaching. And I said, well, I'm going to sign up for that, maybe get to meet him. Well, they sent me a letter back saying they were selecting 50 people from across the United States to go there. And I just laughed and immediately enrolled in another course somewhere because I, I had no idea. I just said, there's no way they're going to pick a 50-plus-year-old guy down in uh, Allen, Texas to come to that, that meeting. But lo and behold, um, they said I was the only pastor over 50 years old that had even enrolled for the course, which I think is a pretty sad commentary. It's maybe my colleagues who are 50 or older think we know it. Nobody can tell us anything. So I was thrilled and went there and got to literally um, study with Fred Craddock and two other great preaching types. And each of us had to, in that week, create a sermon and preach that sermon on a and put it down on, back then, a cassette tape. And the, the preaching professors were going to be sitting in randomly from class to class and give feedback on the sermon. Well, uh, Fred Craddock came to me and said, would you mind being the one that's going to not have any one of us there? And to tell you the truth, I was kind of heartsick about it. But I thought, hey, I'm the oldest guy here, and i got to be a big boy about this. And I said, absolutely not, Fred. That'll be fine. Well, at the end of the convocation, Fred announced for the four of us that didn't have the professors there that the teachers were each going to listen to that and give a personal critique on the other side of our cassette tape. So I have a cassette tape of not only the sermon that I preached, um, but of Fred Craddock's and the other professors' critique of that one sermon that I wrote. Wow, how'd you do? Um, they were very kind, but I knew I had a lot of room for improvement as well when, when you listen to the masters. And, and by the way, speaking of graphic, graphic images, the point of that sermon is, um, what would you write? And it was about a letter I was going to write my granddaughter about the faith. And what would you put in that letter? And actually, I wrote a letter to her. 
in preparing the sermon and literally wrote it on a letterhead and had an envelope and read that letter to her. It was a very brief letter. And the ending of the sermon was I folded the letter, put it in the envelope, licked it, and said, does anyone have a stamp? And shocked me that two women in the group jumped up and said, I've got one. Well, it was a rhetorical question. It was, I wasn't really asking for a stamp. And yes, my granddaughter has that letter. Right. That's awesome. That's yeah. a great story. Yeah, thanks. It's one of my so favorite he, memories. So he was a mentor of yours from afar, just like the radio personality. You had these mentors that weren't in your life or that you had met, but you knew of them or learned from them. I, I really didn't have a personal mentor that I could sit down one-to-one. I had a lot of great pastors that were good friends of mine, um, but none that I would call the mentor. But Fred Craddock would have been the mentor from afar back in that day, primarily through books. Um, but I also got some videotapes of his preaching, and I got to hear him preach. Whenever he was in uh, in town, he would usually go to, uh, because he was the Disciples of Christ, he'd usually speak and lecture over at TCU and in Fort Worth. And I just run over there, of course, and sign up for the course. And I remember two times it was a course for laity. So I had to go incognito. I, I didn't put Reverend in front of my name. I just put my name down and hope nobody found me out. And by that time, Mr. Dr. Craddock knew who I was and he kind of winked at me. He said, you're kind of flying undercover, aren't you, boy? <laughs> and I was just glad to see him again. I was surprised he would even recognize me. Have other pastors talked to you about your verbal imagery? Uh, yes, one or two have asked me about how do I use verbal imagery and um, how I do not use notes when I preach primarily. I tend to, you know, preach and they want to know how I, how I do that. And a few of them have really not only listened to what I've said, but they've amplified it and really become very, very is there, good at Is there it. a quick answer to that, How you how you do that? Without notes? Very quick answer would be I, I found someone who was very good at that, and I asked them how to do it. And if they memorized, and he said, no, that they, are you ready? They, they simply captured three or four or five images. That's what I thought you were going to say. And you just hold those images, and you can build what you're going to say. What's interesting is, you know, here at this church, you preach three times. And right. a lot of times I'll be able to hear all three sermons. And I'll say there's not 5% difference between those sermons, the same words, same phrases, because you, now you, I think you've got to write it and you've got to study it and you've got to learn it. So it's about a 20 hour process to get it down right for those 15 minutes you do up there. Really? So it's kind of in you. Oh, you, and and you have your mental notes of your images, but it's in you enough that you come back with similar. 95% 95% the same each of the three times. Yeah, well, kind of like Edison used to say, though, it's uh, 10% inspiration and uh, 90% perspiration. you got to work okay. at it. Okay. So Dan- Daniel has a good question here, and it's, I-, I guess, what do you do when this happened? Was Barry sick, I guess, and then you didn't, you had very little prep time, maybe no prep time, and then you show up and you're giving the sermon, were you using Barry's sermon, or did you quickly go through it and come up with your own plan, or how did that go? It was somewhat of a hybrid. Um, Barry had done the work, so let's be clear about that. Work, Good work had been done to write a very solid sermon, 
And Barry handwrites his sermons, and uh, I want to let people in on a few secrets. His handwriting is atrocious. Oh, no. And mine is worse. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I looked at his notes, and then I printed off of those many, many notes about, again, I, I was looking for concepts, and I tried to distill that into about five concepts that he was trying to get across. Now, the first thing I was really clear on is I was not Barry Hughes. And you just can't be another person. you got to be you, uh, in my opinion. And so, but I could use his five ideas and even some of his stories. Now, not his personal stories about living in Arkansas, but some of his ideas and stories I was able to incorporate. But then the rest of it, I had to trust on that 10% inspiration. And I just asked God to help me wind my way through that. And after years and years of being in the ministry, um, you know, one of the things I tell young pastors is you're not always going to be able to prepare to give people an answer. And you ought to be able to think on your feet and, and actually be able to preach on your feet. And so when someone comes with a question, um, you ought to be able to respond to it. Now, if it's a factual question, the best answer always is, let me look that up and I'll get back with you. If someone said, what year did uh, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, uh, sail to, uh, to Georgia? I'd have to go look that up. I just don't know. you know. But if someone said, tell me about John Wesley's experience in Georgia, I can talk to you a little bit about that because I know basically that story. So I took Barry's ideas and then I amplified them in the way I would have told that story. Um, to someone. Did you find out the night before or the morning? Of? I think it was the night before he called me and he told me what he was going to preach on. He gave me a few ideas and he said uh, he had the notes here at the church. He brought them up. And so I looked at those about an hour before the service started. And uh, I would say that that's, um, um, uh, you know, very stressful. You, you, you're not as all that's, preaching. That's a stressful. veteran, though. That's a veteran can do that, well, right? A rookie might might struggle. I think all of us struggle, but a rookie might really become unglued. On I know I would have as a rookie uh, been been in a lot of trouble uh, had that been my first or second year in ministry to do that. Well, good. Thanks, Pastor Milton. I think I'll I'll close this down here. That's a great story, and thank you for the verbal imagery ideas that's that's fantastic and we look forward to the the cord hopefully not cord cutting but the cord right? <laughs> you'll need to come and see <laughs> yeah right right so uh thanks again and thanks to daniel for being our producer way to go guys thanks and thanks to our listeners bye-bye this is sun creek radio where your spirit comes to shine thank you for joining us today 